Welcome to Cage Fighting. Now the world has not ended. They are both still alive. It's a mean Mario. And I, I, I had to do it. I've been waiting weeks to do that. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't realise, you know, that, that guy's not even Italian or even slightly Italian. The one who does the voice of Mario. No, he's not. And they've got him in on the, uh, for the film as well, apparently doing like various other roles just to try and get him in there. Oh, hello, everyone. It's Andy, by the way. Hello. <laughs> Where's he from then? Matt Guy asks. I don't know. I think he's just like standard American dude, as far as I'm aware. From Yonkers or something like that. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, he's all cheated. Well, he, if you think about it, he only did the voice for Mario 64, really, because he didn't have a voice before that, obviously. Mm, so, true. And it was mainly just going, yippee, and jumping around noises and, and the start screen, which... I didn't realise that you could when you the whole thing about moving the controller and pulling his face around. I didn't mm-hmm. even know you could do that until years ago. Oh, really? like, only about five years yeah. ago. And I've played that yeah, game I to death. It was on the Wii by the time I found out that it was that. His name is Charles Martinet or Martinet, I'm not sure. It's from San Jose, California. So yeah, not not really uh, European at all. Yeah, so as you well, as you've already read, because you've read the blurb before you've downloaded this, obviously. Um, today we are talking about games that I have been designated as host for this one, um, for reasons who knows. Because well, thinking back to that five years, well, four or five years ago, Andy, when we when we met in Brentford, and it's always the thing oh, you put out oh, that you like games, and you either get the kind of response of oh well you're a nerd or oh welcome aboard, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> Looking at you uh, <laughs> as you are, I mean, the hope was very much of welcome aboard. How many, and then you look, you look at our other less successful podcast, the uh, Walls Fancast, how many on there do not play games at all. It is quite baffling. I know we've got a few older listeners who this might not apply to, so you, bear with us this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> naming no names before they start on us because they know who they are. Um, why do you play games? I think it, it's this, it is the escapism, isn't it? Like, I, I love to sit and watch a film and get involved in the world of, of the movie, but you are always kept at arm's length with the film because you're not part of that film. Whereas with the game, it does invite you in, you do become part of it because you are literally taking part in the game. So I think there is that element of it's escapism that is a lot more welcoming than a TV show or a film. Personally, I think that's what it is for me. I like to feel like I'm part of, you know, Arkham Asylum as I'm running around as Batman for a day. And then I can be someone completely different in um, like Need for Speed Payback. All of a sudden I'm part of Vin Diesel's crew in a Fast and Furious type game. And I love that about it is that you can jump all around the world doing a little bit of everything and you're always sort of welcome, which I really, I appreciate that about gaming. So you say sort of welcome and we, we know the kind of sadistic nonsense that Matt plays. So how, I'm guessing that this question is going to be, have a different meaning for you. 
Well, escapism in the way that, uh, you know, a serial killer will start with animals first, if that's what you're <laughs> referring to, then this isn't the case, really. I mean, game gaming for me was just... It just I don't know how I got into it. I remember like the first gaming platform I had was like an Amiga or something like that, and then a, then a Master System Two, and it was always just it was just I, I like the the idea. I, I can't I don't, I don't know if at the time I felt this, but I like the idea now that you're in control of the entertainment that you're that you, that you have in front of you. So you know, I remember having give you give yourself or give your own goosebumps the books. And they've been amazing. Mm. It'd be like, go down mm. the path, turn to page 62, and you go down the path. Um, and I just really like the idea of you being the architect of your your story, your enjoyment. And then as time went on, gaming then, as it did for a lot of people, then become a social experience. I remember, I think, Medal of Honor Airborne being the first. No, it couldn't have been Airborne. Uh, Allied Assault was the first like multiplayer online game I ever played um on the pc way back when i just thought this is this is unbelievable technology wow and i had (laughs) i had that i had that adapter so you could plug an ethernet cable into a ps2 yes and um and then i started playing like smackdown versus raw 2006 or something i don't know which whatever game it was playing that online just felt like a portal into the world now this is well before facebook and and it's something it was like Apart from chat rooms and stuff, uh, and but MySpace is always with your own friends anyway. It was like a gateway into a world, an, an unknown world that um, was just—it was just magic. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that network adapter thing. I mean, I remember when when I had mine, and it was—I mean, you got to think. I mean, what what was that? Two thousand and two, three, something like that. And so you are talking about very early. Um, Ethernet broadband of what you probably get a bit ten megabits a second now for what we had then, but it was up until the time when I accidentally cast some uh, bit of blue to the telly. That was the first time I'd actually had any porn on on a on a big screen using that Ethernet that um, internet adapter. So nice little uh, nice little backstory to that. And the other thing is, well, navigating it using a <laughs> using a dual shock as well as the mouse. And then, kind of having the having the TV remote next to you, just in case someone walked in. Very tricky times. Um, I mean, I mean, you got you got one hand already occupied, as we know. So you've only got one hand to. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's, good. it's like multitasking. It's like you have the controller in one hand because you learn to hold it one-handed, obviously. And then you got <laughs> you got the remote on the bed, just in case, just swiftly. But, yeah. This isn't how I expected this podcast to start. <laughs> Well, it's it's starting in a in a fashion. Well, it, it, you know what? Every Christmas, every birthday, for a period of my life, just became a, a kind of longer list of just things that I could put porn on because it was in the <laughs> it was in the it was in the age of like you were getting tablets and Kindles and Fire tablets like every every birthday and Christmas because they just got cheaper and cheaper. Um, and then like you could just start displaying like media files on MP3 players. <laughs> And like, like, as long as it was in an AVI format, yeah, which, which like get it off LimeWire, the world became your personal porn playbook. Mm. This is where a bit of blue for the road got like much much easier to to handle, isn't it? Well, literally to handle. I mean, <laughs> I had it on. I mean, PSP was notorious for that because it was the first one. You just transfer it straight over to the memory stick and just 
I was going to say wacky link, but <laughs> that's what you really should have been doing rather than watching that. Um, I mean, it, it is quite shock, shocking now how you say that that was your first computer. I mean, mine was a ZX Spectrum that my dad bought off his mate who was at a car boot sale just to see if I liked playing games, air quotes, <laughs> as, a, as a youth, which, well, I don't know, about seven or eight or something like that. And so waiting for <laughs> waiting for the tape to go around and to load for ten minutes to play like Dizzy Down the Rapids or Horace Go Skiing or all these absolute shit things nonsense. That, I mean, you look at it now; it, it'll work on a scientific calculator. It, it was that bad, but you go from that to the Super Nintendo and then onwards and upwards. I think for me, it was because it, it was a. It felt like it was something else from another world. Like you, you'd played action, you'd play with toys and action figures and turtles and Terminator toys, even though Terminator films are 18s. Who knows how that even worked? So you went from doing that, just playing with, your, <laughs> playing with yourself, to then playing with yourself on a screen, <laughs> and not like not like Leslie Grantham. Uh, <laughs> it was just something completely different that no one it really talked about. Because I know when you listen to American podcasts and stuff and they talk about things like Oregon Trail at school, we never had that on our, on our RM Nimbuses. With, I think the first thing I got to like school-wise was playing pool because it, it, it was about maths equations or something like that. So for, for me, it was about discovery and then afterwards more fun as well as that. But So what was... I know we haven't even got this in the running order. I don't think we have talked about it before. So, what was your first game then, Matt? If you, if that was your, I, uh, I can't remember yeah, what it. Yeah. I can't remember what it would have been on the Amiga. I remember my mum like years later. I was saying, "Why did you buy us this? Not not being, um, <laughs> not being ungrateful. But why did you buy this? Like you wouldn't have known anything about it. It's not like the internet. You just Google it at the time." She goes, "I don't know. It was very much like a person down the pub or a car boot sale type purchase." Always is. Um, mm. So it would have been the Master System that I would have had as the first, like, you know, cartridge console. Um, and that would have been Sonic 2, I think. Yes. Whichever one had mm. Emerald City on. Not Emerald City. Is it Emerald City? Well, um, Emeralds. The uh, Chaos Emeralds were... Was it the second one when they really came in with the side missions? Well, is Tails in it? Yes. No... Uh, no, just that. No, it it couldn't have been two. It's just the one that the first level is the blue sky, green things, swirly swirlies. Um, yeah. So is that just the first one? They no, all pretty much start with that one. Yeah, the the first one is the green <laughs> green swirly things, though. Yeah, and if Tails was not in it, then it was the first one. Yeah, I think. Well, it would have been it would have been Sonic, and I think because it was a Master System two, I think Alex the Kid was in its like internal memory. Mm. Yes, it was. I remember that. Yeah. My first one, I, I, I couldn't tell you the very first game I played, but my first one was also a, a Spectrum. And I remember the first game that I properly fell in love with was Bomb Jack. Like, oh. I, I looked at it early to see if there was any footage of it on YouTube, and it, it looks horrific. <laughs> like, it, 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 no, it looks like those games. Remember the games where it used to just be like um, an LCD screen in front of another screen, and you'd move a square, and it would always be the same character across the screen? It looked like those kind of things. But there was just something so enthralling about this game, trying to collect all the bombs before either the monsters get you or the, the bombs explode. And it was so exciting to like 
four, five-year-old me to try and get this done. And that that's very much the start of my love affair of gaming. I, mean, I remember a couple of other games on the spectrum. Like I had a Rupert game, and they, but none of them had the excitement of of Bomb Jack. And I remember when my uncle used to keep pigeons, and um, he asked me to name one, or I named it Bomb Jack. Uh, I think it, like the thing never returned home; it just fucked off on the first flight out. So yeah, that was some, <laughs> somewhere out there. There was a pigeon called Bomb Jack. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that went rogue. <laughs> That's um, <it. laughs> well. There's your, there's your title for the episode, then A Pigeon Called Bomb Jack. <laughs> I think... I I hadn't heard of Bomb Jack, you know, until about 10 years ago. And then it, it suddenly got this kind of renaissance where a lot of people were talking about it and it was one of them things that it should be really easy to emulate, but apparently it's really hard to do. <laughs> well, there's, there's, more, there's more going on with it than you think. And when you look at it, you are right. It looks like a proper... Tiger Electronics thing that you used to get from Argos for like six quid mm. for a car journey. Yeah, yeah it's terrible, terrible times. <laughs> I think I was thinking a bit. I think my first actual game. I remember it having Kevin Keegan on the cover, <laughs> and it, I think I think it was it was Kevin Keegan manager of some kind. It, it was there and um, international track and field. Or no, no, Daily Thompson's Decathlon, which went then moved on to being International Track and Field, which was just worryingly enough a white man going across, side scrolling across the screen, doing various athletic events, and it was proper like bash the button as fast as you can, which they never really changed when you went to the PS One with International Track and Field, which uh, that was. I think we, we must have ruined at least like three or four controllers playing that game over the years because it was the same thing. You'd, like there was people, people with techniques where you'd hold the controller one way and you'd have like sellotape on your fingers and you'd do that. <laughs> like really, you'd move your fingers really fast across circling, circling X just because that's how you're supposed to do, like imitating running. You think, why do we put ourselves through actual pain to play these mm. games? Oh man, I remember playing some like, when the, when my PlayStation was chipped, and we had this Japanese game called Bishi Bashi, yes. and it was it was just um, like mini games, and I remember one of them was like you had to spin the jewel shop around or the that's the, you know, and it was like having a stigmata on my hand because I'd just been going <laughs> like so, so much trying to like look like a DJ or I'm doing the dishes, I'd literally just be like going like going hell for leather. Um, yeah, man, that was that was like you would though, wouldn't you? You'd put you like those those games and like other kind of similar like multiplayer button bashers ended up with like repetitive strain injury. It just reminds <laughs> me of that gag in that gag in The Simpsons when uh, Willie doesn't believe that Space Invaders is a video game and he has the claw like his fingers are like that after playing um, after playing Space Invaders <laughs> so much. He's just like that. <laughs> but it, you're all right. I mean. Even now, I can really only play for like three. I mean, if I sit in this magnificent chair, um, which is just an old office chair <laughs> with a scarf <laughs> on the back, I can only really sit here for like three, four hours max now before my back gives in. Because <laughs> I'm that, in, that engrossed in playing in the game that you don't move, do you? <laughs> you just sit in mm-hmm. one place. And it's obviously not good for you. And because it, it, I've tried before, where it's just like, when people say about sitting on the sofa playing games, like, how how do you even do this? How can you not be so engrossed that you have to lean forward? It's uh, there's obviously something really bad posture wise about that. 
but I can't help it. I mean, I've done, that, done this for the best part of 25 years of playing in a certain way. And when I sit back, especially with, like we'll get on to later, um, one of my favourite games ever, I tried that on the sofa and I was so bad at it because I was leaning back and not leaning forward. <laughs> I thought, nope, can't play it anymore. Just madness. I mean, yeah, you, wouldn't put, I, you uh, wouldn't put yourself through this pain at work. I sit on the floor when I play. So imagine in my house, you've got sofa, poof, TV. So the sofa is, is behind me. I sit with my back to it and I'll rest my right arm on the poof and then I'll play like that. And so I'm as close to the TV as I can be, but without being too close. And I've racked in on some days. And believe me, it, by the end of it, it feels like a wasted day. But I've racked in like eight, nine hour sessions in the past. <laughs> yeah. And like, when I, you I don't close think your I've eyes, all you can see is the game you've been playing. Like when you close your eyes, like your brain won't switch off and you can just see it. And that's when you know, like enough's enough. It's not very often I've done it, but I have in the past. It's been a long time since I've done that. Like way back in the day, I've done a full day and then the sun has come back up. I've been playing games <laughs> for that long. It's ridiculous. But there is something about that sitting on the floor playing the game. I don't know what it is, but it sort of takes you back to being a kid, I think. Maybe, Maybe because is, as yeah. an adult, you don't really sit on the floor, do you? Let's be honest. Um, so I don't know. I always feel a lot more connected to the game when I'm sort of just sat on the floor or I'm leaning forward and I'm as close as I can possibly be to it. There is something about that. I think that it does make a difference and I've mm. no idea why. And I'm sure some psychologists could probably explain it, but it, it feels about, almost yeah. primal, almost like it's a Something about regression, thing. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> there, there might be something in that. It might be like um, almost like a form of muscle memory as well, you know, because you've grown up playing, doing that kind, that activity in a certain way. But because for me, we never had to sit on the floor, we'd always pull the pull whatever machine it was out and put that on the floor and then sit on the, on the chairs. So I think maybe that's mm. what it is. And even like when like when me, me and my brother used to play Pro Evo on a Friday night, we'd be sitting on the edge of the bed. So we it like in when in my bedroom at home, we used to sit on the edge of the bed. So even then, it wasn't crouched on the floor. You were sitting upright. And in his room, because his bedroom was downstairs, because I kicked him out when I was 14. That was a great story. Um, but <laughs> we, we shared a bedroom. I didn't want to share a bedroom with him anymore. And the, the kind of dining room area downstairs was very rarely used. It was like a dumping ground. So I just said to my mom, I said, well, why can't you just sleep in there? And then she said no. So when I was left alone the one night, and me and me got Dean to come and help me, and <laughs> he said no. So then I went. And carried his wardrobe and his his, uh, his bed down the stairs. <laughs> put him in the back room and put a mortise lock on the bedroom door so he couldn't get in. Job done. <laughs> so, so when I went to um, when I played on his three sixty in, in his room, he had a little sofa. So again, we were all we were sitting upright close to a telly. So I think that there probably is something in that. When I'll be interested, like, yeah, people respond to this. Get in touch if you play games in a certain way. Let us know because I'm I'm actually quite intrigued with this now. I never thought about it before. So we've gone from talking about playing games in a certain way. But what exactly is your favourite type of game to play? Not in a certain way, just in general. Because I've got I've gone through different phases 
from go back then when certain types of games didn't even exist to now. And there's like for me, there's a constant couple. And we'll go the other way around. We'll go to you first, Andy. What is your favourite genre of video game? It's the platformer. It's the traditional sort of eight sixteen bit platformer. I mean, the amount of time I have spent making my laptop and the uh, Nintendo DS that I've just bought into retro machines to play Super Nintendo stuff on, even though I own a Super Nintendo still. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, but I will always do, and I will always go back to a game that's going to be on the list, so I'm not going to say which one. Um, but that's exactly what I do. Every time, I will always try and find a way to go back and see if there's old school games on there. I did the same when I got my PlayStation 5, went on there. I wanted to find the Scott Pilgrim games that had just been released. So I was like, great, I've got an old school 16-bit style 2D scroller. And that, that's me to a T. I love that retro feel to a game. And it probably goes back to what I was just saying about sitting on the floor because it reminds me of that time when I fell in love with gaming. So that's my go-to now. I mean, if I ever get bored, don't get me wrong, I'll stick FIFA on just for a bit of a change because I've been doing playing FIFA, you know, since 1994, was it the first one? 93? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 94. I, I, you know, I've been playing that for, fucking you know, hell, 30 years at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I'm used to it and it's it's a it's a change of pace to playing the, the platformers. But my platformer, I think, is my game. You know, it's it's worrying when you, you think that you've been playing FIFA longer than some of the players in FIFA have been alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was... I thought that this, that would have been Andy's because of... I mean, the only way you'd, you'd change it is if you said Limbo, which is in black and white and he's a platformer. Which is like oh, it's it a good heaven. game to be fair. It's yeah, it game. is, and inside as well. Is like if you if you could put any and shovel knight, even though it's not um, black and white. I haven't but. played that yet. I have not played that. What? One. Yeah, I know, I know. It looks like it's going to be really good. Um, I have managed to source it for my uh, retro machine now, so I will be giving that a go. Yeah, shovel. Oh, shovel knights. I mean, it, it's one of them things where it's it's clearly designed to be like an homage to stuff that was on the Super Nintendo. But there's no way that the Super Nintendo would have been able to run it. No, it's, no, it's got that um, Super goal, Ghosts and Ghouls sort of look to it whenever I've seen the clips of it. So, And I love that game, so yeah. Oh, I, I'm guessing now, I mean, it, I'm guessing that Ash Dolan's pulling his hair right now, the fact that you haven't played this game. But <laughs> the, there is Amiibo of Shovel Knight. And if I if I wanted to start being sad like that and bought Amiibos, I would get one of Shovel Knight because it, it it's superb. It really is. You should do that tonight. Play play tonight. Start it. Okay. Okay. I'll uh, yeah. I'll make a note of that one. So from, up until about six months ago, I would have said that Matt was exclusively first person shooters. <laughs> but 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 now I'm not so sure. After after his um... recent obsession. Well, looking at this list, my, my top five list, um, I would say my favourite kind of game is an action RPG. So RPG elements of a game, so progression, stat building, building a class, 
building this and that, but without the turn-based element of a Final Fantasy or um, or like a J, you know, most JRPGs. So think like uh, think Fallout, Skyrim, those kind of things, really. And there's a few reasons for this. Um, one being, I like longevity in a game. I like things. I will never ever do the main mission unless I absolutely have to. I would rather 100% an area and do every side mission before I do the main mission. And the difficulty of that is the main mission becomes way too piss easy because I've leveled myself up too high by doing all the side <laughs> stuff. But that's a, that's that's by the by. Um, so yeah, I'd say the action RPG, really. Um, it's something that I, I like the idea of having the creative control to do what I want with a character. And I like the whole perks thing, picking your perks and locking things. We also like the mindlessness of a first-person shooter as well and being able to kind of be in, be in that world um, as well. See, I've tried action RPGs over and over again. And I think Witcher 3 was as far as I've got with it. Um, with Skyrim, I mean, Skyrim on PS3 just didn't work. So it failed over and over again. Like you had to, to even get it to work, you had to close doors behind you because it didn't have enough memory to, to <laughs> actually. Because it, it's how it was different from the 360. It's memory and it's memory and graphics were split down the middle. So it had it, theoretically the same bandwidth as a 360, but in the, in reality it wasn't. So they had to do, cut corners with certain things and Skyrim just didn't work on PS3 for that reason. So and it Dean, Dean even bought it for me to play. He said, "Oh, you need to play this game." Just, just didn't work. And then I tried it years later. Again, I thought it's too late now. It, it, I know I'll, I'll get sucked into this world, and it'll be too much. Which is kind of like what happened with Witcher Three. I think I put almost oh, about thirty, forty hours into that. Didn't really get anywhere. <laughs> but again, with that, this like you you get complete one question mark, which on the side mission side. And then another, another 10 pop-up, like Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I think of that, I always think of like uh, Fantasia with the brooms. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, w- when it comes to stuff like that, like uh, my patience with these games knows way more than my patience with any other medium because I 100%ed, <laughs> I 100%ed Oblivion, I 100%ed Skyrim, and I 100%ed Elden Ring. And that was like... Uh, I, like the only game that's got me so close to being as frustrated like that was um, Arkham Knight because the Riddler things. I didn't want to cheat, but the Riddler things they were like they were they were prompt driven. I, th- I believe like you couldn't mm. just they weren't on a map. You couldn't just find them on a map. You had to wait until your bloke go, that Batman goes. Oh, there's a Riddler blah, 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 somewhere along the line. You had to wait for a prompt, or, or you had to wait for a radio signal to be intercepted or something. I can't remember what it was, and the one just never popped up. I just couldn't find it anywhere, and I was like, I had to just wait in game, like the Batman. I just had to wait for crime to be committed before <laughs> I could before I could do anything, and that really got my wick. I mean, yeah, it's almost the, like, the complete opposite for me, where I don't care about the side stuff at all, other than the, like, the, the need to level up, and then I'll do it just like I'll do the bare minimum, just enough, and then <laughs> and then like the, the certain thing like. Spider-Man, for example, like the PG missions. I did one and I thought, I ain't doing this all day. And I know, I know that you kind of have to to get the platinum in it. And have you got the platinum in that, Andy? Uh, I don't think I did platinum it. I've done pretty much all of the collectibles and all of the 
swinging through the street, missions and all that shite. I don't think I've got the platinum, if I remember correctly. Because you've also got to do bits like swing along the ground at like less than three metres from the ground for 500 feet and stuff like that. And those are the ones where I think, no, I'm, I'm not doing that, no. Oh, I love okay. doing that... the find the collectibles because you then generally get to unlock art and stuff, which is cool. But when it's the full free for you know fifteen hundred meters, and I fuck off. Just I love those kind of like performance related achievements that you've got to try and like exploit the game to do it. That's that's just that's my wheelhouse. Because I'm an ach- I am an achievement whore. I've been known to buy <laughs> games based on creative achievements. Or, or trophies in the in the PlayStation world. See, so it's no, too much. Yeah, I, I I don't care enough or at all <laughs> to the to the point where <laughs> when I was talking about the um, the excellent cat game Stray, and I was talking to Mark about it on uh, on Saturday, and he was saying, oh, "So I'm about about halfway through," and he said, oh, "There's an achievement, there's a trophy in there for uh, for me owing hundred times." And I said, "Well, my trophies pop-ups are turned off because they annoy me so much." <laughs> and I know I don't care if I get a little bronze in the corner with a little noise. I don't care if I get a silver or, or a gold. Or I mean, I've probably got about six platinums, but that's just for like Telltale games where you just get them for finishing games. Um, I don't care. It, it maybe it's there's some kind of personality disorder that people who <laughs> who who are like. They've got proper OCD. Have to do these things, whereas I just don't care. Mm. <laughs> I think there definitely is something into that. I mean, when you go into that, I mean, my my favorite now is without doubt it's like third person action adventure games. So, a la Uncharted, Tomb Raider, that kind of thing. And it, yeah. Tomb Raider, even back in '96, all loved all of them. Even the silly one where you went to Area 51. <laughs> Even that, that was my kind of jam. Things like Siphon Filter, which I, I've, I've got it on um, PlayStation Plus. What The top tier of that, it's not even essential, is it? What is it? I can't remember. Stupid names. Yeah, but it is. I've got it on there under the, under the classics, and I don't really want to play it because I know it's going to look shit and it's going to control really badly. But thing, things like that, and like there was a whole thing with Max Payne as well, where I played Max Payne on multiple machines, and every single time it'd fail and crash. And but that kind of thing speaks to me, especially with the bullet time stuff at the time that it was aping from the Matrix. Mm. So anything third person, like Grand Theft Auto, like Mafia, like that kind of thing, Heavy Rain. Not so much. Not Heavy Rain. What am I talking about? The one, um, L.A. Noir, Things like that. Third person, over the shoulder or a bit further balled out. That's my jam. Which is amazing why I still haven't played Gears of War. Because I know it, it, describing that just sounds like Gears of War, which I know. Mm. Looking at me with them, with them devil eyes. I'll do it one day. And you can play with me. I will. I look forward to it. <laughs> so, so we've we've kind of hinted at it about on our list. So we, we have the task was set to name your top five games of all time, which has caused much aggro <laughs> by the sense things. Yeah. Um, 
do you want to do it the way that we normally do? Start at go around fives, and then if anyone's got it on their hand up, and then we'll talk about it later. Because I mean, I don't. I'd be amazed if there's like more than a couple on here that we've all got. Or I'm fairly two. certain no one's got any of mine. Yeah, maybe maybe my good. number. Maybe my number one. Hmm. Since you named you well, so since you named you number one, we'll start at five. Go on then, Matthew. Hit us. So this this number five for me, I've I've tried to go for like much like Andy, go for time periods in my life, and I've tried to separate. I mean, uh, preface this by saying this is my top five on the fourth of September two thousand and twenty-two. <laughs> this changed yesterday. It changed the day before, and it will change <laughs> tomorrow because it's just too hard. But this game, um. When I'm going to say it, you're going to go. You're going to say to yourself, "Well, that's a bit basic, bitch. This is a bit like." But it's Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. Now, the reasons are: a, it had an amazing story. It had a fantastic story, and one of the only times, very rarely, do I get a shock from gaming that I do with film or TV, where I'm literally have a gasp, and I had a gasp. In one of the, in what happens in the story mode, you know, like a betrayal that happens, basically, and I never get that from majority of games, much less you know, call it. I mean, this was this was kind of before the franchise was really. It went down the Fast and Furious route of it just had to have a one every single year, no matter by hook or by crook or by you know caring about quality. So it had a great story mode. The multiplayer was unrivaled. It was brilliant. Like the perk system that it had was really good. It was like performance related perks. So you got a hundred kills of a claymore, that perk would become a pro perk. And so it ticked all the boxes in terms of the completionist in me. It had a great prestige mode and all the collectible side was, was really good as well. And it was one of the first games that with my current friendship circle that I, that, that, that I have from work seven years ago, this was the first game we played together and it kind of integrated me with them as well. So this has just got a really, really, um, it's just got really fond memories. And it was probably the last great Call of Duty game for me as well. Can you, have you played the remaster of it? No, no, I haven't. Because I think this had like the Spec Ops mode as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know I've, I've got both of them. And I know they're going to be on Game Pass anyway for everyone soon when that acquisition goes through with Activision. But since I've never, ever played a Call of Duty game, <laughs> I, um, I've i been tempted so many times to just play Modern Warfare, the, the remaster from a few years ago. And then they mm. did the second one, and people talk about the second one so highly. I think I don't really play first-person games at all, but these get so talked about, like... It's like god tier of gaming. Mm. The, the, mm. That that from Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare, and then Modern Warfare Two, that was absolute peak. That was as good as it got for that franchise because you had because every other year it was different, wasn't it? You had Treyarch and you had Activision, was it mm. that right? Um, mm. And the Treyarch ones were always shit because you had like World at War and some of the other ones. But then when Activision's turn came round, and Modern Warfare Two, you walk through um, some, you know, you're tr- going through. I don't know, to try and stop Al-Qaeda or whatever. And on the telly, there's a footage from an old Wolves game as well, which also Wolves, makes... Uh... It's, Wolves against, it's Wolves against QPR in that shirt. <laughs> there, we there we go. Incredible. So, um, so yeah, it was just... It, 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 it's a modern classic for me in the first person. And believe me, there's not many of the first person shooters that are modern classics, but 
this one was. Very good. Andy, you're number five. Uh, so as Matt said, I've tried to go with like different ages throughout my life and I've tried to hit as many different machines as possible. Um, so I'm going for a Sega game that was uh, back on the Mega Drive. I had the Mega Drive 2 I had. Um, and it's NHL 96. Um, this is my sports game, basically, that I've, I've got. It's, don't get me wrong, there are better games, like the more modern FIFAs and stuff. That There's more to them. They're much more intricate than, than anything. But this, to me, felt like it was the first sports game where it wasn't just press button A to pass, B to shoot, C to run. Like Everything was always very linear with those games. When NHL 96 came, it, it introduced the faint shot. So you would like pretend to shoot, you'd pull it back and then you'd either do a pass or, and it was that element of bringing in like a trick to the game, which in sports games at that point, they were just so basic. And this to me felt like it was a step up and games from that point have just evolved more and more. I don't know why NHL did it for me because I was I never really got into ice hockey. It was probably off the back of like watching the Mighty Ducks films or something. Back in the day, so I saw that and I thought, well, I'll try that out and just absolutely fell in love with it. And even now, like, I still like to watch ice hockey purely off the back of NHL 96. <laughs> I don't really know many of the players who even play anymore. So, But back in the day, that, that was very much my thing. So I absolutely loved it. It was something about the the Sega Mega Drive controller as well, because I was so used to the the Super Nintendo one, which was very much like the original Nintendo was just a box. It was a standard box with two buttons. The Super Nintendo was that, but the edges were rounded slightly. But there was something kind of sexy about the, the Sega Mega Drive controller. It was like sleek and you had three buttons, not two or four. It was an odd number. It was weird. Um, so there was just something so cool about Sega. Even though I've always been a Nintendo kid, I do have a soft spot for Sega. So. But yeah, that's my choice. NHL ninety six. I was gonna, I was gonna say then, is it the, was it the three button or the six button controller? Because I, I had well, Mark had the six button controller, which was that a, was the one with the was it auto fire or turbo fire something like that? I can't. I think it was. It came out later on just for, to fit games that the um that the Super Nintendo had as well, so they could cross them over. I think it, it mm-hmm. must have been something to do with that. Um, yeah, but which I don't think it's been confirmed because they're doing that um, Mega Drive Two retro console, aren't they? Um, in that so the, the same model as the two, rather than the first one, because there's already a Genesis mini console anyway. Mm. But I don't know if the two is going to have six buttons or not. In a way, I can hope, hope so, just for a bit of. I mean, I'll buy it and I'll put it next to the snares in the PlayStation One, which is very, very rarely been used anyway. <laughs> they're, they're just nice little models there. But um, yeah, I not ninety six, but I played ninety four an awful lot. And mm. I mean ninety four. I'm sure that ninety four came out as a standalone on EA Play. Is it on there? Yes, it um, did. It did because uh, I bought one of the NHL games. Might have been two thousand and sixteen or seventeen, and you got with it the ninety four game. So that they were doing it, re releasing it. Yeah, because and like you, I had no interest in ice hockey. Never watched ice hockey in my life. It might have been the Mighty Ducks thing, but it, it all seemed to happen round about the same kind of time. So I don't know which one came first, but 
I know a lot of people at school were talking about NHL. And thought, what? Why? Why are you playing this <laughs> obscure Canadian, as we thought at the time, this weird <laughs> Canadian sport that no one cares about here? Like, oh, it's a great game. And yeah, I think '94 was the one I had. But yeah, it, the 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 isom was it was it the isom what the isometric view or the top down one? I can't remember. Top down. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that because you had FIFA, yeah, FIFA was isometric. Um, but yeah, it, absolute classic. Can't can't argue with that. And funnily enough, my number five is also the only sports game on the list, and it, it's Pro Evolution Five, which that took. I mean, that almost took like two weeks on itself. Which one to choose? <laughs> and you, you could talk of any of any of them, the whole collection of the last twenty five years or whatever. But Pro Evo has always been gameplay wise for me. It's always been. It's always been king over FIFA. It's just, I know it's down to personal preference and whatever, but like whenever I've played FIFA now, I can't play the other way. I can't play with certain buttons as shoot. I have to do, mm-hmm. I have to go alternative because that's that's how I've played it since 1998. <laughs> it, it's, it's odd to me. It's like playing it left-handed. You, it just can't happen. Um, But Pro-Evolution 5 was... Was one. I mean, if I've got this wrong, they'll tell me. But I had it on PS2, PS3, and Vita as well. And um, mm. oh, the PSP. Sorry, not Vita. Me and Gold used to play portable games before the before everyone else turned up in the Emerald <laughs> before before home games. We'd sit there, play a few games at Pro Evo. He'd play as Thierry Henry in Arsenal and beat me because it was Chico, but. It is what it is, but that—that's something about that game. I lost so many hours of my life to that, and even though, because of the license issue and the option file wasn't a simple case of drag and drop, because it was years, mm. and years and years beforehand, so you had to, you had to go buy this certain. It was like a kind of cheat thing that you stuck in the back, and it just kind of worked. Like it managed to transfer the files over from PC, and it was like a kind of breaker box and halfway between. I mean, it's a lot of faff to, to get the right kits and stuff. But if you wanted to do the right shirts and, and the right logos, another one year it took me eight hours sitting there using <laughs> a grid. <laughs> so effectively doing it pixel for pixel on a grid that, that, that printed off how to do it, just so you had the right logos and the right sponsors and everything. So you, by the... Um, by the game, then the first day would be editing. <laughs> a whole day of sitting there editing kits and stuff. You know, yeah. How, how we've come on since then. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that game and variations of that game, we played at uni. That was that was our game with Gaz and everyone else at uni when in Halls of Residence. It was Pro Evo. When we had, I had people who they'd had week off work when the new one came out. And I mean, it well, they were working at McDonald's. Let's just put, put that out. Um, but it booked, booked a week off work every year to play Pro Evo to get good. I mean, this was before online play as well, so it was literally just playing amongst ourselves. It was, it was up until they ruined it a couple of years ago to that e football nonsense, which is just shit. It's always been a kind of staple, and I'll go back to FIFA very occasionally. Now we've got no choice because it doesn't exist anymore. But that one in the PS2 era, especially, Pro Evo 5, it, it was 
so it, it was life changing because it was because it literally changed my entire life because Mouse was spends up playing up that fucking thing. <laughs> I, d- I used to love the Pro Evo games back on the PlayStation Two. They were far and away better than anything FIFA was doing at that point. And I remember I'd got I'd played so many hours on it. I'd got to the point where when you beat I don't know if it was the World Cup or something on five stars, you unlocked the six star version of it, so the even more difficult one. And I was even smashing it on six stars because that's how much I was playing the game. It was ridiculous. Same issue though. I lost so many hours of my life to that game. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the whole. I mean, I, I, I'm saying it now to the world and to my employers. I've booked off FIFA 23 release day. <laughs> uh, so I can. So I can get. So I can. I've already got the deluxe edition. So I get it three days early. And I want to get a head start on Ultimate Team, so there's no shame <laughs> with that at all. But, um, and, it, and for the for the uninitiated, how much is this Ultimate Edition? Um, seventy one pounds. I paid for it, but I didn't pay for it with any human money because I had a voucher from work for fifty pounds, and then it was my birthday, and I had an Xbox voucher off my little brother, and I had like a, I had, I have not paid with physical human. Pound sterling coins. See, when you when you have to justify an addiction, it's time to uh, talk to someone. It's it's not an addiction because I can stop any time I want (laughs) until it comes through the door. I never spent. I never spent. I never spent a penny on FIFA points last year. I'll have you know, not a single penny. What about the year before? Uh, We weren't in a cost of living crisis. (laughs) Doesn't matter. matter. So moving swiftly on. You want to talk about escapism, Andy? I know you're thinking, you look at me and think, God, Matt, you're sexy. What a big, sexy rock star you are. Well, of course, yeah. I was allowed to be a big, sexy rock star when I had Guitar Hero. And I was able to be a, <laughs> yes. I was able to be a rock star all day long. Um, uh, guitar Hero was just the epitome of like party, fun, game in a world that felt made for me, you know, in, in for, for like metal music and rock music, it was, it was so easy. Well, it could be really difficult, but it was so much fun. It was, it was just, it was just for someone that's as mad into music as I am to then include that into the gaming world and it not be Parappa the Rapper. It was just, it just felt like the most amazing, innovative thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I lost days to that game. Um, you obviously had your spin-offs in DJ Hero and then when they brought out the drum kit and stuff, which as a drummer you'd think I'd be mad for, but I wasn't really that into it. I was more just like love the guitar side of it. And then you had Guitar Hero Metallica and Guitar Hero Van Halen and like other stuff. It was just the whole series was just incredible. The 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 real favourite was probably Guitar Hero Two. Um of it. So for this it would be Guitar Hero Two. Um and it just kick started what was just a really great period of gaming where I just get lost in these musical related games for, for hours on end. It was just magic. They, they were so innovative, weren't they? There, there was before that, as you say, like what was the, the game before that for music lovers? It was Parappa the Rapper or like dance, dance revolution. Like there was nothing really there yeah. was that. And this was I mean, the first I... time that you were able to have something that felt like a legitimate piece of i mean i know you couldn't actually play anything on it but it did feel a lot more legitimate than anything that had been before oh yeah i mean i'm 
like we're, we're recording the video on this, but we probably won't release the actual live whole episode. But I'm holding the Guitar Hero live guitar in my hands, and this is a piece of shit. It's awful because they went away from the button color coded to this up and down. Um, like you had six buttons and it was just one, two and three, like a chord and an up and a down. And it just didn't work. It just didn't feel the same as like the, the whole color sequence stuff. But like the, the guitars, they weren't just like stock guitars. They were real guitars. Like you had, I think you had like a, a Fender Strat and there was a Thunder, a Thunderbird, I think it was called, um, mm. guitar as well. And it was just amazing. And man, like I'm serious. So I gave my 360 to my mother-in-law who plays, who plays games and I'm, Going to ask for it back so I can <laughs> play Guitar Hero on it because I've got I've got all the games still in the loft because I, I I'm not giving um I'm not giving them away pre-owned um so I, yeah I think I'm gonna have to gonna have to play them again yeah when you when you said the other day can you play Guitar Hero games on a Series X I thought oh, something's afoot here. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean it, it comes as no surprise to anyone that I've got no rhythm or any kind of inclination music wise <laughs> to play any of them. I tried, I tried quite a few times because that like, again, Marco 360. So he had all the whole rock band kit. He had everything, mm. but oh, I just, my, my fingers don't work that way. It's just not possible. So, I mean, Parappa and Um Jamma Lammy and uh, Guitaro Man, I can play them with like, Button commands in time to what's on the screen, but doing it without looking, nah, I, it wasn't for me. And I, it really annoyed me because I really wanted to be part of the crew, <laughs> but I couldn't be. <laughs> Is it, oh, have you ever? You've not not played that game, have you, Andy? No, I've got you, it. You, I've got the. Um, oh. I had it on the Wii, and I had the version with the the drum kit and the microphone. But, like, I can't sing, like, at all. But you'd have to try and pitch it to try and get it within certain levels. Mm -hmm. And, like, I I just didn't like the singing part of it. I knew all the words. So, in theory, I should be five-star in everything. But it didn't work like that. So, it... uh, I went... um, Yeah, I enjoyed the drums and and it. I went full Britney Spears and did uh, headset and guitar at the same time and did played my own multiplayer on my own. Fantastic. Um, and ironically enough, that was what I was doing when I found out that Michael Jackson died. A uh, little fun <laughs> fact for you. <laughs> Cosplaying as Britney Spears. Yeah. yeah. There's some conservancy thing in there, but let's just stop mm, that there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> number four for you, Andy. Um, I'm moving on now to the Super Nintendo. Uh, and this is a game that I've bought, like within the last five days that has arrived in my house. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Um, this this is just one mm-hmm. of the all-time great games. I don't know what it was about it compared to the earlier Turtles games. Like It had enough of a challenge, but it wasn't so difficult that you couldn't complete it. And I think, bar like maybe the original Mario games on the Nintendo, this may have been the first game that I completed all the way through in like a single sitting because there was no save at this level or anything like that. You just had to get your ass right to the end to do it. And I used to be able to do it. I could do it on my own. And because it being the turtles, even though I'm like an only child, like my cousin would come round and we'd be able to play on it together. And I didn't have loads of games like that because why would I? I'm an only child. I don't need it. Um, 
so I, I love that Turtles because it, it, that's what introduced me really to co-op gaming as much as anything else. And being a huge Turtles fan, it was great to see actual animation on screen. Like a lot of the earlier stuff, obviously they were recognisable as Turtles, but this was the first time that it looked slightly rounded, that they actually looked like the characters they were supposed to be. Whether it was the Turtles or the bad guys, you could easily tell. Whereas when I was playing the arcade version on the Cowabunga collection, which has just been released, like there's some characters in that even now, I don't quite know who they are because they were so blocky. But yeah, on that one, they, they really managed to capture the essence of the TV series. It was fantastic. And I, I absolutely adore that game. Like It's phenomenal. I mean, have they got like random ones like like Baxter Stockman and like the the frogs as well? Are they in the? Is it? It's Baxter been a long Stockman, time. Yeah, Baxter Stockman's the first end level boss you come across. Um, mm. the Napoleon and the the the, the 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 frogs they're not in that one. So they do have some of the lower levels like um Trag and and all these other ones as well. But you do also get your big hitters like uh Rat King and then Treader obviously and and um Krang. But just he's yeah, got it, whether you're a bit of a geek or a lot of a geek for turtles, he's <laughs> got it all. <laughs> yeah, turtles. I mean, turtles was my life. It was like <laughs> I remember getting them. I mean, the only thing I didn't have was a technodrome. And looking at the prices of it now, I, I I did think of just getting it as a kind of like a set background and stuff. But you're looking at it, and you, think, nah, <laughs> you might as well just. You could probably buy an actual functioning one for the price that it costs on eBay for uh, a minting box of that thing. But yeah, I had the car, I had the the, um, the plane, all of the characters. I mean, all of the characters, including Casey Jones and all the little bits that came with it. He sticks yeah. and oh, turtles. I love turtles. So even the Michael Bay. Well, we've talked about this before. I'll, even the Michael Bay ones, mm. however stupid they are. It's still turtles, uh, yeah. <laughs> even in 40 years old next year, and that's not going to change. I'm so <laughs> tempted to get the get the, the Kobunga collection because it is that it, it is that nostalgia for it. And for me, I, I I don't remember playing it at home. I remember playing it in the arcades, and which are like attached to other things, obviously. And it was like on holiday, and when we go to Wales, and they had it in the complex there. They had turtles games, and they had a Simpsons one as well. But it was always the Turtles one. And mm. Turtles Turtles are just superb. And they always will be. I mean, are Turtles like too old for you, man? Did you kind of I knew not... I knew I knew of the the Turtles and um but they they if I'm gonna be brutally honest with you, I was never into cartoons as a kid. Really. Like the Batman or the X Men or Turtles or anything like that. I was never just never really into it, if I'm being honest with you. Um so they all kind of escaped me a little bit. A life of Power Rangers. Mm. This, is, this is what happens. Terrible. Oh, you, we're going to do a top five Power Rangers one day. You know, you know what's happening. And you go from Turtles to my number four, and it's it's almost like the polar opposite that you can possibly get. I mean, this is the one and only game that made me uncontrollably sob. I mean, literally. I mean, it finished, and there were tears streaming down my face, and. In terms of playing, you, know, you spend so much on a game and you go for longevity and stuff. And this game is like two hours long. <laughs> and <laughs> it costs it cost 18 quid. 
and it's two hours long. It's a journey. And you're basically this little figure with a, a long scarf and you're floating through the desert and that's kind of all it is. <laughs> but it's it's one of them, it's so hard to describe without ruining it because it's one of the things you can't say, oh yeah, go and put, spend 18 quid, go and play Journey because it's so weird that <laughs> it's not going to be for everyone. But at the same time, it's one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in anything, ever. I mean, you know, what's it, it's a Metacritic at the minute because I know it was a, it was one of them um, media darlings of a game when it came out, and it got was, a nine nine eight ten from Steam, but I can't see the other. Yeah, it's ninety two. It's at from critical score of ninety two. And it's yeah, it's on it's on it's on iPhone now, iPad. So I'm guessing it's cheap on there. PC, PS3, PS4. If if you can get it, I'd say to anyone just just try it. Uh, don't look about anything about it because it's only like I said, it's only about two hours long. But it, it was one of the moments where like, you play through it and you are just guiding someone through through the sand and through these ruins and whatever. And for the time it. It's a little indie game. It's not nothing big budget. It's a little indie studio who made this thing. So, you know, bear that, bear that in mind as well. But it's so stylized that even now, when I was, I was looking at a, a few things and like video reviews of it again the other day when I was talk, thinking about this. And Journey was always going to be on there. It was just where it came in the list because it, it is one of the most magnificent pieces of any media I've ever had. Journey. Mm. Incredible! I've, I've I've heard of it, and looking at the pictures, just I have I've seen it, but I never never played it. I never realised it was that um, that that deep. To be perfectly honest with you, well, it it's so odd that you can kind of I suppose you could run through it as like oh, it's a little it's a three D slash two D platformer where you don't really do much, but there's something behind it that you can't really explain. Until you play, it's it's so odd that it's one of them. That yeah, cool. it, it it has to be experienced to be to be believed. <clears throat> so number three, Matthew. So this is probably the well, I suppose Guitar Hero is relatively child friendly, I guess. Um, except you, well, you've got um. The dead Kennedys in there, I suppose, aren't working friendly <laughs> at all. Um, but there we go. Um, but this is the most modern of all of the uh, games on my franchise as well. And the one that came from completely left field. This is one of those I googled what to play next on Game Pass. Found an article. This was highly recommended and played it. And I can't remember a game that, that I felt so much regression into maybe into childhood or... I suppose just enjoyed blindly enjoyed it as a just a, it was just wonderful to play and a sense of accomplishment on some of the bosses as well because they were fucking rock hard um, and that would be Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, yeah. It's just just sensational. Now it's rated at the moment as it stands um, as ten out of ten on Steam, uh, nine out of ten on IGN. Um, it's it's widely just it's widely known as just 
an excellent, excellent game. And it's but people have barely heard of it. It's amazing how it is. This is a, a sequel to the blind Ori in the Blind Forest, but you don't really need to play Ori in the Blind Forest to, to, to really understand it. Um, and it's just, it's a platformer that is so gorgeous to play. Like Stu, you're, you're the, you know, the pixel, yeah, the pixel pedo about all these <laughs> things. I couldn't think of anything <laughs> slightly kinder to use there as a term. And, um, but it's just absolutely stunning to play the gameplay, the progression, the bosses are, can be rock hard as well. Like you really, it, it's not an easy game, like without, it, it's a difficult game in parts. Um, but it's a collectible dream as well. And there's progression and there's perks and everything else. Like I, I, I won't be able to give it justice. All I can say is it's a game pass game. If you've got the console, you'll have game pass because if you don't, what are you doing? Um, and you just need to play it because it's, it's just a, it's, it's just a pleasure from start to finish. Yeah. I'd, I'd even say, even if you haven't just get just set up an Xbox account and spend like a pound and have a month have a, a month trial and play it on your phone because it's, it's you're perfectly possible to play that game on your phone it won't be as incredible as having it on a 60 inch telly in all singing and dancing 4k hdr or whatever but you'll still get the feel of it i mean it, it's the considering it's a relatively small studio as well it's the animation more than anything mm. else how things just look there's nothing. It looks more fluid than it. It's got any right to be. And fluid, fluid is what I'd say. And like you know, you've got to combine certain skills to get to certain areas, and you need to your timing's got to be spot on. You've got to be creative how you get there. So it's not. It's not. It looks like a kids' game, but it's not a kids' game. Like kids would struggle at it. And I, 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 I'll put my neck out on the line here, and I'd say it's, it's the best platformer I've ever played. It's that good. And I'm talking about like, you know, things that are in my honorable mentions here that I think get the benefit of doubt because of nostalgia. This wipes the floor with all of them. Even if the technology is 20 years apart, it's, it, it, nothing compares to how good this game is. Yeah, I completely agree. Get Game Pass, Andrew. Yeah, and well, I'm trying to set up my Surface Go with um, like a Bluetooth-enabled controller and stuff, so that might be the, the way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean... And at least that way I could put it on the TV as well. Yeah. So you're number three, Andy. Uh, my number three, I'm jumping from consoles to computers, and it's the PC game... Football manager or championship <laughs> manager, depending on how you know it. It's probably FM 2007, I think, is probably my all-time favourite. Um, I don't know why that one sticks out as much as anything. It's probably because I'd built up this ridiculously talented team and I was so far down the line that my under-17 team were like full of future stars. And I just got it where I'd completely, I'd gamed the game basically, and I'd got five stars for every other player that I'd got throughout the whole thing. Um, championship manager slash football manager satisfied that itch of knowing that I'm never going to be a professional footballer, but <laughs> wanting to still be involved in the game somehow, um, and becoming a manager and taking your own team. And obviously, as a Wolves fan, like we've had a long time of being. At best, mediocre. So it was being able to live out your dreams of taking Wolves to the Champions League final and doing it yourself and 
somehow it managed to make it feel almost real, even without there even being anything on screen to watch other than just text flying by. That's all you knew that was going on. You weren't actually watching anything. But there was something about it that made you feel like you were actually part of a real game. Um, by 2007, they had bought in the um, like match action stuff. But it was literally you were just watching counters move around the screen. So you couldn't really see anything. But I remember seeing like what looked like it would have been a wonder goal from when I'd signed Lucas Podolski. And he's got like, a four-part <laughs> screamer that just curled in. And in my mind, I could picture it on a proper pitch, even though all I could see was what was quite literally a top-down domino, tiddlywink moving around the screen. That's all you could really see on it. And it was fantastic. It brought that, the element of geeky mathematics to football. Like, it was the perfect marriage between the two. Because as a football fan, I kind of love the statsy side of it all as well. And this had that as well as actually playing a game of football. And it was wonderful. And earlier when I'd said about before I've spent a whole day playing on, on a game, it would have been something like Football Manager. I remember doing it before. I'd got up on a Saturday. This is, would have been when I was a teenager and had no responsibilities. And I just sat there all day. I probably only left my room to go to the toilet and to like have tea. And before I knew it, I could hear the birds chirping their morning chorus. <laughs> Because the sun had come up and I think, hang on, I've been sat here since like 10am the day before. This is ridiculous. But the football manager just did that. I've spent more hours on that game than I care to admit. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's... I mean, the fact that they still have that 2D match engine with with the little tiddlywinks as an option, even now it's now all rendered in 3D and everything. I can't watch the 3D render. It doesn't work for me. I have to watch the 2D. Yeah, because I think there is something about that that you you see things in your. It's like seeing into the Matrix. Eh? <laughs> you you see things yeah. in your mind that are not there, and and then because you got the text at the bottom as well. And I flip between the two, but I mean for me it's so bad that and I well it's so bad in the sense that I was so addicted to it I had to have five years out, and that, because I, it was getting too much, and I was. We say you, you live in things, and like we said, like I said earlier with Pro Evo, it kind of got more than that with Football Manager. I mean, there was times when, especially like in sixth form and and the first year of uni or whatever, first few, few years of uni, I'd get up and as I was playing on my laptop as well, I wouldn't leave the bed. <laughs> so it's like when you can see if it carried on that you're one of them people who gets craned out of your window because you're too big to leave but you can imagine going like that if you got too obsessed with football manager <laughs> yeah and there were times again like the bird song thing I remember especially it was Big Brother 3 when it was on E4 and you could watch them all through the night and there was various times that year where I'd I'd play football manager from say six o'clock in the evening and then I had a big I had a big brother live streaming on then watch big brother the episode then watch the live streaming again even when they go, went to bed and you, you could just watch people sleeping on live tv which was always odd <laughs> but then the sun come up and you'd see and it's like I really should go to bed and you look at it and you have played for 12 hours straight mm-hmm. and you do get Properly emerge with it. I know we had um, 
Miles Jacobson on on the fancast last year, and he was superb, and he, he fully embraces the whole madness of it all, and it is now a cultural phenomenon. And the fact that clubs are actually using the data from Football Manager and employ people from Sports mm-hmm. Interactive in a professional capacity shows how accurate, I suppose, it is. Yeah, so, it's insane, yeah, it's, isn't it? Absolute, absolute it, cultural phenomenon. It, it was on my my mentions anyway. Um, I'm glad it, it made someone's top five. When uh, when they started using football manager stats on like transfer deadline day and things yeah. like that to like determine <laughs> like a player's like attractability or like what kind of a player were they getting, they'd use those stats. That was when like art and life intertwine and just becomes just just madness. Really. <laughs> But I remember using that like when they put it on Sky Sports News and you, you had Jim White looking quite confused with it all. And I remember taking a picture of that and showing it to my mum. I said, look, see? See, it's real. We've been doing this for years. You mocked us for saying that kind of thing. Oh, it's just gaming. How can you want to just? How can you just not want to watch a film or watch a TV show? Why do you have to interact with it? I went, look, it is real life now. You've got no arguments anymore. That's it, it is, yeah. <laughs> and so, well... Strangely, that wasn't a pre-planned link either. Strangely to my number three, which is like watching a film, and it's Uncharted 2. Mm. Which, we talked a lot about this when the film came out um, earlier in the year, that a lot of people... Well, even the developers said if three came out before two, three would be people's favourite. It's just that it, it had such a high bar to reach, number three, mm. with because... The second one was so perfect that it suffered a little bit. And three is perfectly fine. Four is probably a better game. But I mean, 96 out of 100 on Metacritic Uncharted 2 among thieves. Just an absolute perfect game. Like I said earlier, the whole third person action adventure, that's exactly what this is. But it, it went more with the narrative. So you have got the cinematic cut screen, cut, um, cut scenes, and everything that are all motion captured and well, performance captured at this point as well. So it, it was real people doing it. It was ac- actual actors, and the story's Indiana Jones nonsense, of course. But it was just something like again, like how you said about Ori, Matt, just how it moves. Mm. It's it's flawless. And again, this is on a PS3. It's got no right even running the thing, let alone running it this well, even though it was built for the ground up for it. It's just an absolutely perfect experience. And it's one that I'm kind of getting the itch to play again. I've played it once and I don't want to play it again because I don't want to ruin it for myself and ruin my own memory. Because I remember coming, and I think it's not very long either, probably about 15, 16 hours, all told. So a nice... A nice lengthy section, but not too long. So you could probably play it in about three or four settings if you wanted to. But for the time, nothing looked anything like it. Nothing controlled anything like it. And yet it's a cover shooter. There's nothing really special about it. But it absolutely nails what it is. And I think for me, at, at that time, it was exactly what I wanted and exactly what I needed. And it's perfect. And I know you, you still have played it, have you, Andy? And you, it's even though you've got no. the whole collection, and you, you, it's one of them things now where if you want the whole story, you kind of suffer through the first one because it's, the first one doesn't hold up really at all. But Among Thieves is a superb game in its own right. 
I was just looking. I was just looking on the the PSN as we were speaking, so I thought I had the uh, the whole collection, and yeah, so I've I've set it to download next time I turn my PlayStation Five on. <laughs> yeah, and, and that remaster is very accurate as well, from what people say. So you've got the best of the best of all worlds in, in playing that version of it, playing on a PS Five. I'm guessing there might be um, trigger stuff added to it at this point. I know there is there is to four right. and um, the Lux Legacy, but yeah, Uncharted Two is my number three. So, Matt, your number two, please. Well, I think this is probably the first one that you probably could guess, like outright guess of mine, and that would be um, Gears of War, the original Gears of War. Uh, as a franchise, it's great, and I really enjoyed it um, to begin with. But the first Gears of War, it was interesting because it came out at a time on the three hundred and sixty where it was senseless testosterone fueled steroid <laughs> over the shoulder shooter gratuitously violent just at the right time i needed it in my life like 13 14 15 maybe a little older than that, actually um and it, it was just it was so violent and it was so fun it was so over the top that it really felt like a kind of a change of pace to what i was used to like you you know the opportunity to change the setting to whether you wanted blood to splatter onto the screen when you chop somebody in half with a chainsaw was just which teenage boy wouldn't love the the option to choose that. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was ridiculous, but it was ridiculously fun. It knew exactly what it was. Um, it had a great multiplayer as well that was really addictive. Um, and then, like, number two came along, which had, like, a story to it that had no right to be as, like, gut-wrenchingly emotional as it was. Um, and then, the, you know, as with all of these franchises, they start to lose their qualities as, as you go along. But then Gears of War 5, I think it is, is the latest one now, um, mm-hmm. is excellent on, on current-gen consoles. It's really, really great. And um, but that first Gears of War... It was also the first example of a time where I played a, um, a remake instead of a remaster. They made it again and then like added bits to it and everything else. It just plays wonderfully. Um, but like the teenage me playing this at the time felt like I was moving away from, you know, your Pokemons and Banjo Kazooie into <laughs> testosterone. <laughs> let's fuck shit up. Let's do cocaine gaming kind of thing. <laughs> I remember seeing the, the trailer for it with um, li- it was a live action trailer wasn't it, with Mad World as <laughs> the theme. Yeah, I remember you, that. You couldn't get as far removed as, as what that was. It's it's yeah. like it, it was like one of the first games where I got a load of memorabilia from it as well, like a ton, an absolute ton of stuff. Like I've got a Gears of War. Meccano car in front of me here, and then <laughs> down here on the floor, I've got a huge Meccano helicopter that you've got to make. I've got, <laughs> I've got like, I've got dog tags of the cog logos. I've got beanies. I've like, this is probably the first game where I went hell for leather, and I got a real obsession over it before my number one, um, my number one game on the list. Um, it was just, it was wonderful. Honestly, it's class. And the fact that you get to play it as a remake instead of a remaster as well, to so experience it in current gen technology is, is a dream as well. 
Yeah, that, that's that's really what's drawing me to it as well. Big, a lot like what we said about how bad um, Max Payne looks now and Cypher Filter looks now. Even early Xbox stuff, you are talking <laughs> nearly 20-odd years ago now, and these things age badly compared to films of the same era. But that remaster looks brilliant. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> Again, it's not overly long, is it? By the looks of things, no. Um, you can so... you can rattle it. It can rattle it out over um, over an, uh, a weekend if you if you you know put your put your hours in. Yeah. But so what's we... good what's good about it as well is I remember it was one of the first games where it really encouraged you to play it duo, play online like online um, campaign. So it was mm. really like you could play it completely on your own if you wanted to, but it encouraged you to play it with somebody else online with your friends and whatever and play the game that way. And that was the first kind of, I remember playing it on the hardest difficulty to get an achievement, of course, on the hardest difficulty as a duo. And I did it with my mate online and it was just like, it felt like a real achievement. Yeah. It's, it was the only one that uh, when like my brother and friends and stuff had Xboxes. That was the game that all I always think, yeah, I want to play that. And it, that was even going back then, way back in the day. And you think, well, maybe one day I'll get I'll get one cheap and I'll get to it eventually. And I've had what, a Series S for like nearly two years and still haven't done it. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that desire to play is is as high today as it was when I was talking about it in the past because it it always looks cool. And it it looks it looks like it owns the fact that it's stupid, which I mm. love as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what's your runner up then, Andy? Is it? I'm guessing it's nothing Xbox related. No, no. Um, PlayStation is where I'm heading next. Um, it was a fifty fifty, to be honest, between Spider Man and the one that I'm going for, and I'm not sure if this is a recency bias because I completed it and collected all of the Riddler trophies very recently. And it's Arkham City. Um, we, like, as a comic book reader, which obviously I've mentioned a fucking million times on this podcast before, we never really had a great comic book character um, translation into game form. We had some good ones like the uh, X-Men games back on the Super Nintendo um, Sega days. Like, that was good. There was a Spider-Man game back then as well that was also solid enough. But there was nothing great, like properly fantastic. And Arkham Asylum came along and just blew absolutely everything out of the water. It was such an interesting game that gave you an entire world to play in, even though it was just set within the grounds of a asylum. And it was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And to make it better, they then just turned a whole city into Arkham and gave you even more of a playground to, to play in. And it was fantastic. They they managed to like perfect perfection almost. They topped what they'd done before. And I thought that was going to be impossible. It was such an interesting game with a lot of depth. And it introduced you to other characters. Like you could have like the Harley DLC and the Catwoman DLC. I don't remember if... You, that, I think that's the first time we met um, the Robin as well. So it gave you more of a world. The first one was very small it was a small sandbox but this one it was huge it felt 
monumental. And it was the first time I think I properly, like, really, really loved a PlayStation game. Everything before I'd like, I've enjoyed a lot of PlayStation stuff. But that was the first time where I thought, "Fuck, this machine is is probably the best thing that's ever been made." As much of a Super Nintendo geek as I am, the PlayStation probably is the best thing ever. And part of me thinks that, that is down to the fact that Arkham City is the one that opened my eyes to it was a lot more than just gaming. There's like depth and stuff to games now, which maybe I was a little bit blind to prior to that one because I'd stuck mostly to more sporty games before that on the PlayStation. And this was when I'd finally moved away from that, I think. So yeah, Arkham yeah. City. I remember um, just being totally blown away by Arkham City. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I found the, because by this point I'd played games that had far more of a sandbox element and, and freedom than Arkham City, uh, Arkham Asylum. But when City came along, uh, this it, it blew me away. It was, it was just something because the gameplay was so good as well. Like take out the fact that you can go and explore in Arkham City as much as you want, but the gameplay felt really gratuitous. Like when you when you put these combos together, and you completed this area and you beat your you, know, you beat your big boss or whatever, um, or you'd find an innovative way to like beat Mister Freeze or whatever if that if that was um, City. Like it just it it was a re- it was a rewarding experience, and that's half the battle with games. Like you need to feel a challenge and you need to feel rewarded when you play them, and um, City had it in abundance. Mm. I love the challenge against, I think it's Clayface is the one. It's a proper button mashing sort of experience in some of the boss fights. Not all of them, but on that one it is. And it's like you'd mentioned earlier, Stu, about like the track and field games. You, your fingers ache at the end of it. I remember finally managing to put him down for the final time. I just remember fucking screaming because I was exhausted at the end of this fight. And I don't think a game's ever really given me that before, where I, I felt physically drained after a battle. It was fantastic. Such a great experience. Yeah, it's it's almost like a shame of mine that I, I I didn't like Asylum. I just didn't it didn't get I didn't get it at all at the time. And I think it's a whole hmm. It's that whole kind of the loop of oh unlock certain areas and go back, the whole on a Metroidvania stuff. Which I never really liked anyway. Back back when it was two D, let alone transporting that into a three D world, it just annoyed me. Not as much as obviously time loop stuff does, but on the on the same kind of same kind of level where it makes no logical sense why it should do, because it is just it is progression and a sense of achievement in a way. So yeah, you do this, then you can go there, or blah blah blah. You can unlock this thing. I know that I need to get back and just do it and just get over it because I, there were times when I mean the the combat is obviously great it just is I mean it was it was it's been copied I mean it was copied in Spider Man really yeah and it's been copied in multiple different things um, for how well it feels to play I think it was just that that whole going back on yourself that I just didn't didn't vibe with me at all and so. Me being the way I am, I wasn't going to say, oh, no, I'll jump to the better one. I'll jump to one where you can go and do what you want um, without finishing the first. So it's, uh, again, with Plus and all the other things that they kind of give you these games every now and again, I've got them all anyway. And they're on the list. One day I'll I'll get around to it. It is high up on there. And it's got one more chance. (laughs) 
I'll, I'll give it a chance. If, if it doesn't vibe with it next time, then it's just whatever. It's just not for me. However, however good it is, I know it's just not for me. Like Elden Ring, but whatever. Um, in mine, this was the, the hardest one to do because, I mean, there was a few. We'll get to honorable mentions in a minute, but I was thinking of things like, you say you kind of vary the years and stuff. And I thought, what have I had more fun in in playing games for God knows how long, 30-odd years? The first one is my number one that we'll come to in a minute, but the second one is Grand Theft Auto V. Just pure nonsense. It's it's fun. It's a fun driving game on its own right. It's a fun third-person third person adventure game when you're doing that that kind of stuff as well. The story with the three characters, all three characters. I mean, Trevor's a dickhead, but <laughs> it's funny with it. And then obviously from on the back of voicing that, he's gone on to appear in like, Better Call Saul and, and different things and as an actual actor, not just a performance uh, capture person. So there's a lot, of, a lot of things in that game that just because it's Grand Theft Auto, it gets a lot of... Well, it did get a lot of shit at the time. But you look at it, it's, it's standing on a 97... <laughs> and you don't you don't get a ninety seven for being just Grand Theft Auto. You get a ninety seven because it's one of the most fun stories I think I've ever played. And when you say there's a lot more to games than just shooting things, the acting in this in this game, yeah, I know Matt's going to say about the ending, whatever. But depending on on which way you go, but regardless of that last half hour or whatever. Even the shooting in Grand Theft Auto game is good now in this. I know you said before, Andy, that you didn't like it in like San Andreas and all the nonsense of eating and toning mm. your body up. All that is gone now. It doesn't matter. It's You're switching between three characters, and if you're playing it now on PS5 or one of the series machines, it's instant loaded. So you are. You can just zoom out, zoom in, like Google Earth style, and then you, but then you'll, like, you'll find Trevor in a bin or... <laughs> In someone's bed doing something stupid, or in the middle of the desert after being abducted, and there's all kinds of chaos and madness. But then you have got the sensible story with Michael, and then you've got obviously the young black character as well, and you've got that whole world. So you've got three different character types in the same game, and it's it was very hard to put down. And considering it came out, well, I think two months before the PS4 launch launched. I barely played on my PS4 for the first few months I had it because I was playing this. And I played it back on, on PS3 all, all all back in the day, back two machines ago. And it's again, I, I, I do miss it and I want to go back because there is different paths. You don't, because you've got the heist stuff as well where you plan your own heist and you can choose whichever way you want to do it. If I went back and played it, you know, I mean, you can get it for like 12 quid at this point. Mm. I go back and do the hoist a different way because it's been so long now. But yeah, just one of the most perfect fun gaming experiences I've ever had. Hmm. I um I only played it once, and when it came out, I've not touched it since. Never played it online, um. So I I might have to I might have to get it in its most recent current gen form and play it again. Um. But I'm I'm. Psychonauts 2 is taking up all my time at the minute, like a, w- a way bigger game than it's got any right to be. Yeah. 
I mean, saying that about the current Gen 1, it is, there is a first-person mode now as well. If you mm. wanted to, you, know, you could play the whole the whole game in first-person if you wanted to. That was never there on PS3, obviously, because it, it probably couldn't have handle, handled it. And mm. I know that some lunatics have modded it to playing the whole thing in VR on PC, but that's a whole new level of craziness. That no, no one needs that. Mm. Um, so do you want to get on to our honourable mentions? Um, we've got Andy's first this time. Uh, I've only got one, really. I mean, there's probably others I should mention. Uh, I did want to mention WrestleMania 2000 on the N64. Um, I mean, to be fair, I could probably even go back further and talk about NW, um, WCW NWO Revenge, which was a game which preceded WrestleMania 2000. Before those games, wrestling games were very much... Every character did pretty much the same moves. They all did a hip toss. They all did a suplex. And then they had one special move, which might have been Randy Savage's elbow drop, Bret Hart's sharpshooter. They were all pretty bog-standard nonsense. WCW NWO Revenge and WrestleMania 2000 were the first ones where the movesets were mapped to the actual character. So you weren't just doing... Like, I mean... Uh, think for us so, so someone like raven for example he would never have done a standing suplex that's not in his character so his character on the game didn't do it and it was such a divergence from what had gone first that that then started the trickle down into all the smackdown games and the raw games on the xbox and now whatever it is this 2k system i feel like they have lost their way now um Pretty much since 2K came in, they're not fun, if I'm perfectly honest. They've they've lost what made them fun. But the N64 games, No Mercy included, and then running into your Smackdowns on the PlayStation were some of the most fun fighting games I've ever played. They were excellent. They had a lovely little story mode to them as well. The career mode was great fun. It was great. And I always remember my mate getting really excited because on the Smackdown, the character's hair moved when the character moved. And it was like it was such a simple thing to do, but it made it look a lot more realistic. I mean, it looks awful when you look back at it now. But yeah, uh, N64, those wrestling games by THQ, they they changed the game for me. So yeah, perfect. I remember playing that when we played um, one of the SmackDown games when they had them in the Royal London <laughs> on the telly. And we, um, that was a bit, that was the ones that I used, uh, that I played because obviously. I didn't have an N sixty four, but the bits I played of no, it was no mercy on there. But it, mm, it was always SmackDown, and, and I am amazed that you haven't uh, pre ordered the the AEW one that's coming out soon. They, they still haven't put um, a pre order on it on Amazon, or they hadn't when I'd looked a couple of weeks ago. But it's by the guys who did WrestleMania yeah, two thousand, so I'm properly looking forward to it. It looks it looks like what I want in a wrestling game. Yeah, it does. I mean, even for me, as kind of a, a filthy casual wrestling observer these days, um, it looks more fun than the so-called polished um, WWE stuff, which is probably... they're a slog. I just find them a slog. The the newer WWE games, when the characters run, they sort of plod, and that to me just immediately takes me out of it. I don't play it for realism. I play it for silly bollocks because that's what wrestling is. It's silly bollocks. Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, notable mentions for you? 
Matt? Yeah, so No Mercy was on mine, um, purely because everything that Andy um, so perfectly put about WrestleMania 2000, but then No Mercy's story mode took it to the next level. It had um, branches off in the story that you didn't know you'd unlocked until you performed it. And it would like give you at the end of that point in the game, it would tell you like what you needed to do next time to go down the next branch. The one of them being, and you, it was a different mode for each different championship. So you'd have the hardcore title and the first match was against Kurt Angle, I think it was. And this is the very first match of this like five, six matches that you play to complete that arc. And if you didn't use a weapon in your hardcore title fight, the story would go one way or the other. And that just felt mind-blowing at the time. It really was just insane, <laughs> like an incredible way to tell a story and, and replayability. Um, and there's a reason why um, Fight Forever, by the AEW game that's coming out, is modelling itself over No Mercy because A, nostalgia sells, and B, um, it was really fun. Sometimes you don't need you don't need it to be in the same way that on Guitar Hero, I don't need to have to have a fake guitar with actual chords to play. I just need to play colourful buttons in, in time and in sync because it's sometimes you just need that. It doesn't have to be a you know complete it doesn't have to, you don't have to actually do the thing to enjoy it. It's gotta have a fun time while you do it. And that's exactly what these games were. Which brings me on to and um, the polar opposite, and that's Elden Ring, which wasn't fun at all. <laughs> um it's great. I loved it. It was a cathartic experience, but no game should take about 30 to 40 hours to enjoy it. And that's what <laughs> Elden Ring was. Like it was a it was Stockholm syndrome in a game. It it, it I hated every second of it, but I'd paid like <laughs> I'd paid 45 quid or something for it. And I was like, well, I've got to play it now because I'm not gonna uninstall a 45 pound game. I'm going to persevere with this. There's got to be a reason why people enjoy these games. Couldn't work out what it was, but by the end of it, <laughs> at the end of it, it was probably the biggest like sigh of relief when I, when I platinumed Elden Ring and I was just like, like I've, I've uninstalled it now. Like it's, it, it will never get touched again. I'll never play it again. I don't even get it on my TikTok algorithms anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just wiped off the face of the earth. Um, and then very, very quickly, um, I'll put the two together, Banjo-Kazooie and Pokemon Blue. I know they're completely different games, but they're just they're just nostalgia hits from my youth that um, just give me a proper dopamine hit anytime I think or play or do anything with them. Um, they were just, they were just, it was gaming in its purest form at the time because there was no people saying that my mum is a whore on the internet. <laughs> when I'm playing them, like like when like when you play FIFA or Call of Duty, so it was just it was just funny in its purest form. Those two games, and I absolutely loved them when I was growing up. Yeah, that that whole kind of Banjo Kazooie kind of um, Spyro, that kind of. And there's a reason these yeah crash. I mean, the, there's a reason these things got remastered and were a huge success in, over the last few years because one, you get the nostalgia stuff, but the fact that they are really just. Sometimes you just want to smile, <laughs> and you don't want to be smacked over the head, being tortured, playing, playing fucking Elden Ring, <laughs> and hating yourself for years. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said for all that stuff, and even like the all of the the kind of that 
Skylanders craze and like the Disney Infinity, all that kind of stuff, and the Lego games. Sometimes you just want a bit of a bit of a laugh. You don't want serious, and there is a place for that stuff. I mean, I'm amazed that we ain't mentioned quite a few things on it, <laughs> but um, I mean, Gran Turismo Three mainly for me would be my, one of mine. Um, I had the wheel, I had everything. Obviously, F1 being one of my passions anyway, and I had the F1 games, but they're never as good as Gran Turismo. They just, they just weren't. And you did get open wheelers in certain editions of Gran Turismo, but Gran Turismo 3, I mean, I've got the, the new one, and I'm kind of loath to even play it because I know it's going to happen. Same as what football manager, I'll just get obsessed with it. And they've got the little stand as well, and I can put, sit here with my little racing cockpit and put my headphones on and be completely immersed in it. And then it was all go by again. And I think I've got the discipline for it at the minute. So that's that's really the, the only reason I haven't started that kind of thing again. Um, other than that, I mean, The Last of Us, of course. <laughs> it, it, was all, it was kind of tied with Uncharted 2. Like, either or. Same people, same developers, same people. But The Last of Us is so depressing and sad that I can't really say, yeah, it's one of my favourite games because it's a sombre, macabre experience <laughs> that hopefully the series is exactly the same. It's written by the same people, so hopefully it is. But it's not fun, but it's a masterpiece. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's one thing. The only reason I'm leaving it off is because it's not a nice experience, even though it is a brilliant game in its own right. So, at long last, <laughs> nearly well, over an hour and a half into this this spin-off. I mean, yeah, people tell us we won't do the, talk about games ever again if you if you didn't enjoy this, but it, it had to be done at some point. Um, so we'll mix it up. Andy, go on. What is your number one game of all time? Um, put simply, it's Super Mario World. It's the best game I have ever played. It's it's incredible, incredible fun. Don't wrong, I, I love one, two, and three. Fantastic games. Really, really good games. There was something about once they moved on to the Super Nintendo, they just changed it ever so slightly where it made it a little bit easier, but they added more to the storyline. They made it a lot more fun. They gave these two-dimensional characters a lot more character. They very much felt like they were just Jumpman as he originally was. Now he felt, finally felt like he was Super Mario and he had his own little personality. Same with Luigi, Peach, Yoshi, which I've got to stuff Yoshi because I love Yoshi. It's the coolest thing ever. Uh, when I mentioned about um, like modding my DS because you can finally play retro games on it, the first thing I did was set up a Super Nintendo emulator on there, and I've been playing Super Mario on it. Even after all these years, I still have to get... It's 94, because annoyingly it doesn't go up to 100. It's, I think it's 94 levels that you have to complete and find all the different exits and stuff. And I know that I'll, I'll just sit there and, and work through that because it's just game imperfection. Stupid. Yeah, I mean it is. It's mine as well. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't say anything at all that's bad about it in any way. Even now, nearly thirty years later, it's the most perfect thing that's ever ever been made. It looks incredible, and yet you could argue about having a tanuki tail rather than a cape. Hmm. That's a, that's either or really. 
But yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't have a NES anyway. So when I played uh, Super Mario All-Stars with the first three games and the Lost Levels, which was the second one anyway, um, I was kind of blown away with that. And then I think a few months later, it's Super Mario World. And yeah, it it's never going to get better than this. And it hasn't. <laughs> You can you can have Mario sixty four for what it did for everything, it changed the world and wherever things in the three D space and the the stick and all that kind of thing. You can have Sunshine, you can have Odyssey, you can have Mario Galaxy, which is fine in its own right. But Super Mario World is the most perfect thing that's ever been made. And like I was just saying, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to torture yourself. You don't have to have things that make you cry. Sometimes you just want to play something that's nice and fun. And this is nice, fun, colourful. It feels still feels amazing. And it doesn't age. So mm. there you but go. If you do want to if you do want to torture yourself, try and complete it. Try and find all of the exits without the guide. There are some really, really tricky levels to it. It does have like it does have that replayability because you need to find everything. Well yeah. The only difference really? is you don't get a trophy at the end of it, but yeah. 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 The the day that they finally Nintendo finally start like growing up and putting trophies or stars or whatever they're going to do, and some kind of achievement category in their games. I mean, it's on Switch. I mean, I'm playing it on Switch now. It's it's one of the very very. I mean, like I said earlier with Uncharted Two and other thing and Journey, I haven't played these games again because the experience of the first time is enough. Mm. But that's because they are story based. Mario World doesn't really have a story. Yeah, he kind of does, but it doesn't matter. That's not the point. I think it's, it goes back to the, the the start of the podcast. As like when we said, why do you play games? Yeah, escapism is one of them, but the others just to have a fucking good time. And playing Super Mario World mm. is just a good time. Where, whatever you, if you if you're depressed, if you're sad, if you're happy, if it's sunny outside, play Super Mario World. It's the cure for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and if your number one now is not Super Mario World, you've let the world down, Matthew. If I speak. <laughs> if I speak. Um, I've never played it. I've never played wow. it. Um, you it you was, literally got a Switch. It you've was, got no excuses. It, it was before my time, you old farts. <laughs> <laughs> like, my first Mario was Mario 64. Um, so it just, I just never... I just never got like I had. Uh, I would it have been on the master system. No, we wouldn't have been, no, would it? No. Um, no. And then I, so I got an N sixty four. That was the first of those consoles that I had. And by that point, it was, um, it was sixty four. Um, it was Mario sixty four. And then I played Paper Mario and Galaxy, and I've got Odyssey now, and that's good fun. I will go back to it because while you've been talking, I've been looking at some YouTube footage, and I played obviously. Mario Brothers, is it you know you know the the, the first one, the first mm -hmm. you know, uh, and that's fine. But this looks good fun, you know. There's all different types of levels, and I'm watching like a speed run through it now, just because to see the different kind of worlds that you can go to. It looks good fun. It looks it visually looks great as well. Um, but sometimes, you know, Stu, you made a comment there of sometimes you need some fun. My number one is sometimes you just need to be a little bit scared. And sometimes, and um, it's a combination of um, action, it's a combination of horror, it's unbelievable storytelling, um, and it's 
actual physical perfection for me, and, and that's Bioshock. It gets Ooh. no better. It gets no better than Bioshock for me. Um, I remember playing it for the first time, and when I put the pad down at the end after the, after the story mode, I won't tell you anything that happens in it because if you haven't played it, you need to. And I put the pad down, and I, and I just I just knew it was it wasn't getting better than this for me in in a game. Um, it had it was like action RPG in that you've got to plot how what perks you use. It's not high level. There were like puzzles in it and stuff like that. The story mode was incredible. Um and it just hit me. Just he just ticked all the boxes. Um it's like it's got this pseudo political thing going on there as well. Um the second one, um it's just DLC for the first one really. It's great. It's 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 fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it's just an extension of the first one. And then Infinite came out and Infinite was different. It wasn't in the deep darks of Rapture. It was up in the sky, completely different. But it had a story that just tugged on the heartstrings massively. And then Burial at Sea Part Two, which is DLC for Infinite, is the in again in my opinion, the best DLC money can buy because it just ties everything back together again with um, the first Bioshock. Um, and if you haven't played it, you owe it to yourself to play. It's, it's considered a modern classic and absolutely rightly so. It's, you know, it's the only game that I've got multiple tattoos of and I don't regret a single one of them because <laughs> I, this, it, it's like a, like a, like a good and a, like a great film you can interpret it on whatever level you want. You can just play it as an action RPG that's a little bit scary at times, but you can also understand this relationship between the big daddies and the little sisters. This is one of the first games that I can really remember where your actions in the game from a moral standpoint actually had meaning that what you do actually has a consequence in terms of a good or a bad. Obviously, you've had like Knights of the Old Republic and you can be do this you can do that and it affects you but this felt like it actually mattered like there was an actual moral compass that you needed to because the bad thing gave you better outcomes in game but the good thing was the moral right thing to do but you didn't but you as a character suffered for it and that like paradox was something really interesting as well and i just it just doesn't get better than bioshock for me and like i've tried to scratch that it since and i just can't while you were talking then, I was having a look on the PlayStation Network. Because when I had, was it the four that the third one was released on? I think. I remember I had it on, I had the third game for some reason, but I didn't have one or two. So it, I never got it. I just, I played it a little bit, mm-hmm. didn't care about anyone, so didn't really go very far in it. Um, but I've just been looking on the PlayStation Network. Apparently I own Bioshock the Collection. So... <laughs> that that's also set to download to console, um, because from what you've just said, that sounds like my kind of thing. Like the the story and everything to it sounds fascinating. Yeah, the the only thing that might is because it's first person, so you 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 that might your scarred one, yeah. brain might be all broken with it again. Um, yeah, which there's got to be a cure for this somehow. There has to be. I keep trying, and to be honest, there are some games which aren't first person that do send me a little bit sick. So I don't know. But I do keep trying, and I will. I'll give this one a go because it does sound. It sounds really interesting, and I want to. I do want to get over this fucking weird thing with my head. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I. The collection was a plus game. That's why you've got it. Um, okay, makes sense. I, 
Yeah, I did the same thing as well. And I think when my brother-in-law listened to this as well, I think he's, he's Bioshock and constantly being berated about how I have to play the collection because I own the collection and it's a waste of everyone's time that I haven't played it. Yeah, hearing someone else say it, it's kind of... Oh dear. I haven't even got into the fact that like there's this whole thing, like the world of rapture is incredible. Yeah. Like I'll just so the I'm 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 going I'm gonna go off the rails here, and this is virgin on nearly a two hour podcast, which I think is a first <laughs> for us. But um the whole the, the world's greatest scientists that were like shamed for doing what they're doing, they were told that they have no restrictions in this world of rapture. And they go down, and then long story short, people can get powers, and they splice themselves to get these powers using something called Adam, and blah 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 blah. But you can get, you can have these powers, and you've got these creative ways to use all these mad powers. And but you're facing the people that were down there in Rapture who got addicted to this substance that gives them powers, and and the the big daddies are fucking massive like monsters with pneumatic drills for arms what's there not to love i don't know like i don't understand that people can't <laughs> can't love it it's just oh god it's so good i'm I'm probably gonna play it when i finish this now i'm gonna reinstall it and i'm gonna play it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's brilliant i think that's quite a i think the fact that we had one that i, I did think that we'd have that one to be fair um there, there is only one um, clash on that whole list. It's mm. kind of a testament to the fact that games are what they are. There is something for everyone. More, uh, there's probably more something for everyone in games than any other medium of anything, really. It's, it's funny, though, because, yeah, there's one clash in 15, or there's 14 individual games here, and we're not massively dissimilar people. There's, you know, we are, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like... It's not like one of us is from Zambia and the other's <laughs> from like China and one of us is from mm. France and, we, you know, we're not different. We're all of, you know, similar-ish upbringings. So um, the fact that like games can be so diverse in what appeals to people is just what makes it so excellent. Yeah, which which kind of makes the whole... We haven't even talked about it. There's no point talking about it because it's foolish, but the whole like, Gamergate and... Like the the the, cult, the the console wars and all that kind of thing. How ridiculous the whole thing is online. That you've got a community of people there who like who love this stuff, and there's something for everyone to love, and yet they still fight about it. <laughs> yeah, they always. We'll save that for the uh, games cast too. I think. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So if you um, if you enjoyed this. This mammoth episode, which I, I didn't think it was going to be this long. I said, like, "Oh yeah, well, we'll have three questions. That'll be it. That'll be fine." Yeah, that that went well. So yeah, if if you have enjoyed this, or if you haven't liked it, like I said earlier, and this wasn't to your fancy, then let us know anyway, and we probably won't do it again. But oh, we like we did the, with the music thing. We try something different every now and again. Um, so splice things up, not in a Bioshock way. Um, but what is next, Andy? In it? Next week. Um, next I don't week know. for the um, 12th of September, we are re- releasing the World Trade Center episode, <laughs> which is the uh, Nick Cage film set around September 11th. Um, I believe it is available to stream somewhere, but I can't remember where. Check out justwatch.com, though. It tells you where it's streaming. Yeah. Um, 
that is not just us jumping on the but well it is just <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. Just a little bit. <laughs> I, I did I to be fair, I did say this last year, why but it was a bit too late well at that time. Um but yeah, listen to that next week and as usual, give us feedback in the usual places. You know where to find us because you've been listening to this for the last two hours. Um so for tonight's slash this morning's <laughs> moment episode, it's goodbye from Andrew. See you soon, guys. Take care. Matt. Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Game over. Trap.